0: We know now that in the early years of the 20th century, this world was being watched closely by
1: intelligences greater than man's.
0: Men from
1: Moto, digital strategies with Travis Sowers and David Seville.
0: Intellect vast, cool, and unsympathetic.
1: Broadcast to the world with the uncanny help of manner Deprived and FaceToFaceGames.com. Greetings, people of Earth. We are the men from Odo, and you're listening to Episode 51, X Marks the Spot. My name is David Seville, and I have Travis Sowers on the line with me again this week. How are you, sir? I'm fantastic. How are you, David? I'm great. Uh, you kind of surprised me this week. You're all like, hey, let's go review the rares and mythics. And that took me off guard.
0: Yeah. Normally we would do kind of our set review where we talk about the commons and uncommons. And then we'd have the pre-release and we'd play some and we'd come back and talk about that. It's like, it's it's time to do the recording. We can't do it on Thursday after I've played because I have to get up at four in the morning for my slot on the, the 24-hour league. So I'm like, if we're going to do a podcast, what could we do it about? I'm like, you know, we're going to play with these rares some. Which ones am I hoping to open? which ones do i think will be like fun like seems like a good topic to me
1: i I like it i like it and we got lucky with the timing last week and we were able to do our set review on recorded on the friday which is something we don't normally do so Mm -hmm. i think this is a good opportunity for us i'm looking forward to this yeah me too everybody loves a flashy rare so um we might as well just dive right in no point standing on ceremony here right
0: we don't really have much ceremony anyway, do we? I'm handsome there? You can begin. Oh, there's there's the ceremony. OK, um, I don't have to get you a gift, do I? I did. It's like a like a
1: wedding gift, a ceremony gift. I didn't get you anything. All right. First up, we're going to start with white, as we usually do. Um, first one I wanted to look at here is the Bishop of Binding. And actually, before we get into this, actually, um, I think I'd like to start I'd like to frame these using the ravenous chupacabra test if that's okay meaning that are you going to pick this rare over a ravenous chupacabra pick one pack one because i think that'll be like the the one of the key uncommons in the set and i think all the rares will probably be evaluated on it or against it or a card of similar power level but i it's it's pretty fair to say that that's one of the top if not the top uncommon right agree agree okay so bishop of binding this is the first one i want to talk about this is a sweet card three and a white for a vampire cleric one one which eh, that's really bad but it has the banisher priest effect on it so when bishop of binding say that three times fast enters the battlefield exile target creature opponent controls until this leaves the battlefield whenever it attacks target vampire gets plus x plus x until x until end of turn where x is the power of the exiled cards you exile a six six this thing is giving out six six Power and Toughness to target Vampire whenever this
0: attacks. Usually it's going to go to itself, though. Yeah, and I mean, it's plus three plus three because that's, that's the world we live in. So this is a Ravenous Chupacabra that blocks worse, attacks better, and is vulnerable to your opponent's removal because they get their thing mm-hmm. back. That's a great way to put it. Yeah, so I, I think this is a really fancy, interesting card that's not as good as the Chupacabra. It's a little easier to cast... And if you care about having Vampires in your deck, which you very, like, you probably should, and this is not going to be in the same pack as Ravenous Chupacabra every time, right? Um, but to just keep expectations with the Chupacabra test, I, I think it's a little bit worse than that. I think it's still very good. It's, it's quite good. Like, we would play Banisher Priest and be happy with it. And if, you know, Fiend Hunter or whatever variant was in the format, we'd just snap it up and be quite good with it. Uh, it'll also take out tokens, but since the tokens blink, you won't get like a, any bonus from it. You'll just have a one-one that killed a token, which is absolutely fine as far as I'm concerned. Um, oh, is that how that works? I was going to ask about that. I, I forgot to look that up in the um, kind of the, the notes
1: for the uh, the pre-release notes where uh, for this card specifically.
0: I could be so I, know- I could be wrong. I know that when you exile tokens, like it, it doesn't map where they went or what happened to them. They're just gone.
1: Yeah, and and tokens are not cards. Yeah. Right. So I, I have to double check on this one. Uh, maybe I'll I'll ping the judge chat, but um, I forgot to look that one up. I, I could see it being both like either way. And I don't exactly know how the specifics of this rule, although Magic Online will just tell us. Yeah, it'll come up. So,
0: but I think that's yeah. a fair way to look at it is like this is a slightly more fragile, fragile Chupacabra, but with a relevant creature type. Um, And it, there will be cases where it will attack for more, which is certainly relevant. Um, so I, I don't I don't think it's bad. I just, I also don't think we're looking at a bomb here.
1: No, I, you know, I, I would, don't think I would fault anybody for taking this over Chupacabra. I that like pick one pack one because of the potential for going into vampires. Um, whereas the Chupacabra is just a good black card. Um, but if you had your heart set on kind of forcing vampires, I think this is a fine replacement for a Chupacabra.
0: I look forward to trying it though. It looks like a really cool card. I think without the creature type, you wouldn't say that though. And like, that's, that's the I thing for me. I,
1: I think you're right. Um, but I think I think with a double down tribal synergy in this format, I think you know, you might be looking for those tribes to plant your flag on early. Okay. Okay. Um what what do you have next? Let's just bounce back and forth like we usually
0: do here. Um I was gonna look at Radiant Destiny as the next card that I thought was like worth talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, which is an enchantment with a send for two and a white. As it enters the battlefield, choose a creature type. Creatures you control of the chosen type get plus one, plus one. As long as you have the city's blessing, they also have vigilance. So this does a lot of what the uh, Vanquishers banner that we saw in the last set did. It doesn't draw you cards when you play more, but it does give you a team pump. And in white, that team pump is probably going to be for um, vampires when paired with black. It seems like there's enough humans that you might could do that. And if you were doing red, white dinosaurs, you might could pull that off too because they have some small ones. Uh, but I, I think that's a decent effect for, for um, two and a white. Uh, we've seen crusade effects and limited sets before, and they're usually pretty good, especially in a format that has a relatively low power and toughness equation, which is kind of what we see here when we run the numbers is it's still a lot of hill giants, two threes, four twos, that, that size So that plus one, plus one could be quite relevant. Um,
1: You're not splashing for this card, though, are you? No. Yeah, so you wouldn't put it in your blue or your blue-red pirate deck, splashing white for Radiant Destiny. So it's really vampires,
0: or maybe if you're lucky, green-white dinos. I mean, I could almost see if I had two Sailor Memes and one of the other things that uh, produces treasures considering it. In sealed and like I'm all pirates other than that, but I, I really do think this is predominantly for the the vampires deck and then could have some mm-hmm. uses in others.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean the upside obviously in the vampire deck is you're making a lot of tokens. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the Ascend slash Vigilance on this card I don't think is terribly important. I don't think you need to worry about that. It's it's a nice bonus, but you're not playing it for the Vigilance. You're playing it strictly for the plus one, plus one at three mana.
0: Yeah, and if you get something else, that's fine. It does help a little bit with Ascend, right? Because you've got at least three lands in this when you play it, presumably more. And Vigilance is never bad to have. There's times where you might be willing to attack and throw away some of your team to get in damage because over the course of two turns, you can kill your opponent, but you might die on the crackback right? You're at 12. They've got two colossal dread malls and you've got a huge board, but you just, you need to not be dead. And, and like the vigilance can be relevant there, but I agree with you. You're playing this for the plus one plus one.
1: So assuming that this is a, it's pretty much a vampire tribal
0: card. Um, Are you first picking this? It's gotta be a really weak pack yeah. for me to consider it, right? Like we've got some really good common removal spells, uh, in red, white, and black. And I think I would take all of those over this.
1: Yeah. That's kind of where I'm at too. This is more like if you get this passed, if, you know, pick three, pick four, you know, maybe you can see that being open or if you open it in pack two and you're already in a slightly go wide strategy, that's solidly in white, whether that be vampires or potentially dinosaurs, I guess it could be as well. Yeah. That's where I'm looking to pick this
0: up. As long as you're tribal, you don't even necessarily have to be going wide, which is one thing I want people to note. If they haven't played with crusade style effects and limited, as long as your creatures share a type, this is going to be good for you. It doesn't matter if you have all vampires and you don't make any tokens. That's not super important. Just making all of them one bigger is kind of a big deal.
1: Yeah. With vanquishers banner, what was your critical number before you thought that Vanquisher's Banner was good enough for a card slot? Was it like half of your creatures, like eight of your 15 or, or eight of your 16 being of a specific tribe? Or did you kind of look for more or
0: less? Yeah, it was eight. Like, I, I think it was I rated right it once at eight, but I really wanted nine or ten where I was happy. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then, obviously,
1: that'll be the same with this one as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, next for me is Slaughter the Strong. This is a uh, kind of an interesting, not quite board wipe card. Uh, I think it'll see a lot of play, obviously. is um, It's one in white white for a sorcery. Each player chooses any number of creatures he or she controls with total power four or less. It's combined total power four or less, and then sacrifices the rest. So typical of a board wipe is you should be able to engineer this where you're taking full advantage of this potentially not losing any creatures or maybe losing tokens or something like that uh while your opponent maybe loses half or more of their board so you should be able to get some amount of card advantage out of this if you set it up correctly um and it and it does kill your opponent's large things it is sacrifice which is good against uh things that are potentially indestructible or hex proof um you know obviously targeted removal will be better Overall for the most part, but I think you could do uh much worse at a, at a board wipe in this, uh, in this format.
0: I don't like it. Really? Yeah. Why don't you like it? Like I, I did, I think really well would be fair to say during the Kaladesh block. And there were so many times I had to have the discussion with folks about cataclysmic gear Hulk. And the real problem for me with cataclysmic gear Hulk, it was three white, white for a four or five, when it enters the battlefield, you and your opponent choose an artifact and a non-artifact, sacrifice the rest of your stuff. Right? Mm-hmm. So it's relatively difficult to cast. And the effect that came with it, you didn't really know what you were gonna get, right? In some board states, it was actually pretty good. And others, it, it far more often it was neutral, right? They just kept their two biggest things, and you kept you know, one of your biggest creatures that was alive plus the gear hulk. And I found after playing that format over and over and over that Bastion Macedon, a 5-mana 4-5 with no text, I mean, you can spend white and give it vigilance, was just a better card for me. Like, I knew what I was getting every time I cast that. And while you, you say you can engineer something with a board wipe, I, I don't know that you necessarily can with this. It looks like something I want against an opponent who has a lot of, of things that are not going to survive it anyway. Right? Because if they've got a 4-4... Four four, and i've got 611 tokens i'm still losing that game when i cast this right all, all i'm doing at that point is is like just blowing up two of my own tokens it doesn't even do anything well you're right it doesn't do anything there
1: but that's not a position where you would cast this you're casting this from a position of either exploiting your opponent who's overextended or doing some kind of reset and putting yourself like from a losing position into a neutral position you're obviously not going to win the game with this card. Um but most board wipes you're not winning the game with this card with with a board wipe anyway, right? You're you're playing your board wipe and then your opponent's usually the first to cast a card after it. But this so I think if you if you play this like a normal board wipe, I think it'll play very similar to what a board wipe would like
0: just a wrath of god in most formats. You keep using that word. I do not think that word means what you think it means. Um I I don't necessarily think this is bad and I'll pick it, but this is not a board wipe. This is a fixed balance. No. Sure. Okay, but I think it it's
1: it it would do close not close. It it mimics what a board wipe. Where am I going with this? It 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 is it is more like balance, and balance is often used as a way to reset the game, right? To bring things back to center, right? In cube. Well, I mean, I guess it's more exploited in cube, but this I think this is a way to bring a game that's out of control back in control, or to punish an opponent that has gone much wider than you
0: yeah and i i think all of that adds up to a card that that i'm interested in and i can certainly see some uses in but i know that i will never get to play with this card because i'd, I'd rather take the pacifism effect over this because i'm going to get what i want every time and i don't need any specific board state for it to be good i just need them to have a creature out that i'd want to not do anything whereas with this like I I appreciate that if I'm far behind, it might help me. But it it also depends on how I'm behind. If I'm behind because they have two 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 flyers that I can't deal with, this doesn't do anything. If I'm behind because they have some big creatures, this this will certainly help it. Like balance and cube is you, you hit the nail on the head. It's abusable, right? It doesn't say anything about artifacts. It doesn't say anything about planeswalkers or enchantments. So if I make sure my deck has lots of Artifacts, Enchantments, and Planeswalkers, I can really mess up my opponent when I play it. But this is limited. We're both going to have creatures. So I, I can certainly see where this has a spot. It's just... It, it, it's it's very board state dependent. And once it's in my hand, what all, all that you're saying is true. I can try to craft a board state where it does something, but I could also just put a 3-mana three 3-3 three, three in my deck and always know what I'm getting. So I, I tend to always shy away from cards like this. Do, do you think that this is better than a Chupacabra? No,
1: I don't. I just think it's more playable than I think what your first reaction was. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you were you were borderline telling me that you could put an 18th land in your deck at no
0: cost. No, 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 no. I, we weren't <laughs> I, could, quite I could feel that coming. I could feel that coming. I've gotten no, you with but, that one a few times, but this is not that. I think this adds okay. more value than an off-color basic. Okay, then we're on the same page. I think. Okay.
1: Okay, I think I think you're right, but I think if you open it in a sealed pool and you're playing white, I think you're probably playing this in your main deck ninety five percent of the time, right? I don't... Right. It's it's we're, worst case worst case scenario with this card. It's three mana, destroy target opponent or like target five five.
0: Yeah, but then it might screw up my board too, right? Like, let's say I have a pair of four fours and they have a five five. Do I even want to cast it? no you don't
1: i mean you double block and then you're stuck with you're left with the four four right but if they play out another creature for example or, or like another five five or a six six if you're playing dinos or something like that i think you'd be quick to side it out against
0: small decks it's fine against but small think, decks too like if they go wide enough you can blow up all but four of their little dudes or maybe two of their little dudes it's just a weird card it is i had all a really right. I think, hard I think, time think, evaluating this one on the set review too
1: I think it'll, it'll come down. I think, I think you'll play it. I think I'll play it a lot, not a lot, but I'll play it in the first little while. I'll try to draft it and I'll see what it's like, um, and come back and
0: reevaluate, but I hope I get a sealed pool with it. I really need to try this card to understand it, but I I think it's in the middle of where you and I are talking about. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's too great. You know,
1: like I think it's, I'd pick a Chupacabra for sure over it. So, okay. Okay. Speaking of cards that are great, that I would absolutely pick over a Chupacabra though. I think, uh, you're going to pick the same one I am here. Are we talking about Trapjaw Tyrant? No, we're talking about Temple Altasaur. Oh, okay. What, a, what an annoying card this is going to be to play against. Four and a white for 3-4 Dinosaur. If a source would deal damage to another dinosaur you control, prevent all but one of that damage. I think it's a great card.
0: Hide me up on this.
1: So... It's it's a must remove if you, so if you're playing dinosaurs obviously right so you're gonna want dinosaur tribal it doesn't just go in a in a random white blue deck for example
0: yeah
1: um it's pretty close to giving your dinosaurs indestructible in combat okay right you protect this none of your none of your dinosaurs are dying in combat ever okay I, I... and if you have enrage then obviously you know you're enra- you you can still enrage your creatures but um, you know, obviously this is a magnet for removal, but I, th- I think this is going to be kind of the most annoying card to play against in the Dino tribal deck when it comes to rares.
0: Yeah. I, I don't know if you were around for the set that had flag bearers, which was basically if anything could target something, it had to target this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it was like a four mana one, four, and they were ridiculously annoying to play against. Cause you'd be like, okay, well I'll get them and then I'll play my combat trick. Oh crap. I can't, I have to target a flag bearer. Oh, cool. I will my removal spell. I'll kill their big guy. I oh, can't, I can't, I have to hit this flag bearer. Um, and I think this is similar to that. It's a lot of work. Um, because you do have to put this in a dinosaur deck. Yes. How many dinos do I want? Again, that magic number is probably something like eight. Probably Half. Probably half, mm-hmm. and I'm not overpaying that much because I do think a three four I'm pretty happy with. I did an ixelon sealed uh, PPTQ today and was just impressed with Sailor of um, Prosperous Pirates as a three four for five. Three, four? Yeah, yeah. Like the treasure was nice, but I was just happy to have a three four because it blocks everything in the format. So I think this is pretty good. A- again, it doesn't pass the Chupacabra test for me, uh, but it, it looks pretty darn good.
1: I think early it'll pass the Chupacabra test for me, um, because I want to. I want to try it, but it'll depend on how frequently you can kind of force a tribe. Like this locks you into dinosaurs, I think, of some kind, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I think this will never attack and block, like in in a nor- on a normal board state without backup. Um, but all your other dinosaurs will.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It, it, think of it like an enchantment that can block in an emergency, but it, it, it's one of those cards, like any of the tribal ones. Um, one of the ways I got good at drafting Ixalan was by not going for cards that forced me in a tribe initially, and I, in, I certainly plan to carry that over. So any chance I have to to like first pick removal of any kind, I'm going to take that, and then after that, I'll look for cards like these that are good in specifically one deck. But I'm I'm very quick to abandon them if that deck's not open. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, you can read out trap. Try trap jot. Tyrant, though, because I think this is also a very good
0: card. Yeah, I obviously. should probably read this one. Um, three white white for a five five dinosaur within rage whenever it is dealt damage, exile target creature and opponent controls until it leaves the battlefield. Yeah, it's a good card. Yeah, I think it's mostly a Colossipede. I think it's a Colossipede with the potential to be abused. Yeah, it's a Colossipede that is absolutely terrifying if you have any combat tricks in your deck. Because the most likely thing that someone's gonna do to try to get rid of this is block it with two hill giants. And if you have plus two plus two for one white, you kind of wreck their world at that point, right? And like you you kill both of the things that they blocked with it and then you get to exile something. I tend not to like the correct play pattern if your opponent ever attacks you with one of these, if you don't have if you have a removal spell in hand or you're racing, take it. If you don't, just shove all of your creatures in front of it
1: yeah and, and hope to kill it and yeah. hope that your opponent doesn't give it first strike yeah because if, if they do you're just going to lose yeah first strike is basically double strike on this thing yeah oh uh, with with like cascade into removal spells for all of your other creatures yeah this this card could get out of control but the easiest thing to do is just not
0: ever block or attack into it well you can't you can't ignore it like not blocking it forever is not an option claustrophobia would handle this but i mean if they've got mm-hmm. something under it that's great and it obviously plays well with fight spells oh fight spells
1: um there's the red removal spell that deals two damage to a creature you control and four to something else yeah you get, like an easy two for one off of that their this best eats tokens for lunch it does it in fact the art is actually him eating a vampire i think mm-hmm. token for lunch so um yeah i think this is a great card i'll pick it over chupacabra um I will not. You're not. I, I think that would be a mistake. I think this is good enough. This has high enough upside on it that I think you're going to want to pick this over at Chupacabra.
0: Maybe I need to play with it and and find out because even like once you get creatures under there, understand if they have any sort of instant speed removal, they're getting them all back. And I I feel like functionally, it's a lot of five mana five, five with potential to be abused. And like, I'm going to put the combat trick in my deck. Um, Maybe there's enough upside, but I'm just, I'm so enamored with a nice, clean, your guy dies, I have a grizzly bear. Like, it's such a good deal.
1: It is. It It is a very good deal. But I think, I think this has potential to just win a game when it gets slammed. Um, And Chupacabra doesn't necessarily have that potential. So I think, I think this has high enough
0: upside that, uh, that I'm, I'm more interested in taking this card. Okay, I can see that because your opponent either deals with it or you can kind of roll away with a game. But like there's also going to be board states where they have, you know, a two, two and a three, three. And you're like, well, I guess I'll take my two for one. It'll be fine because you're not always going to have your combat trick. But there you go. And this will frequently two for one because your opponent's going to want to remove it. Right. Whereas a Chupacabra
1: is a two for one. But the the extra one that it's leaving behind is just a two, two. Right. Yeah. So I guess I guess it's kind of the same. Yeah. This plays well. Like you can you can build your deck around picking this pick one pack one for example looking for those first strike combat tricks pump spells um things to enrage, like uh, enable enrage like if you have a, a a few cards that help you out with enrage like i'm really looking at that red one mana removal spell or was it two mana it's one um that plays really well with this it turns it turns that into an easy two for one yeah yeah
0: okay right? you so, convinced me this passes the
1: chupacabra test yes i got one all right um do you want to talk about the elder dinosaurs or are you kind of there are they too expensive for you they're too expensive for me but they're really cool like okay well this one's neat i don't even know how to pronounce this Zatulpa. that primaldon works for six white white for a four eight dinosaur Bleh. except that it has like keyword salad
0: on it flying double strike vigilance trample indestructible yeah Like for me to cast an eight mana spell, it kind of needs to say win the game. And this is close to that. So I could sort of see putting this in a deck, but understand this needs to be your entire plan. And like, if it's the bottom card of your deck, that can be a problem. So like this isn't like ramping to a six drop or even ramping to a seven drop, which I've done. Eight is so much more. And I I don't know that we have that kind of time in this set. So I'm kind of out on these, but it's, it's really super cool.
1: This can win you the game straight up if you can survive and, and untap with it.
0: That is true. And like by the time you're casting an eight drop, they've probably pacified something already. So like there's that, but I mean there are cards in the set that deal with it. Most of them are in white anyway or blue, I suppose, but like I just feel like you can do better, man. That's so much. I, mana. I think you're right now. It, it is right. helped by the fact that there are treasure producers in this format so, like, I could see a blue-white deck that could probably pull this off. Maybe even a blue-black one. But, like, you, you're putting in so much work for it. Like, seven drops ended up being more playable in the last set because of treasure than I initially thought they would be. I'm just, I'm still curious if we can go all the way to eight. I, I'll try it at some point because I need to know. Yeah, I'll try it Try it for sure, but I'm not too
1: optimistic on how well this plays. Yeah, same. Typical EDH plant. Hmm. It's
0: cool, though. Uh yeah, it's cool. White looks pretty cool. I think so. I'm, I think I'm... we're most excited about the Tyrant.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I like, I'm interested in, in Radiant Destiny. I want to see how that plays, but um, obviously doesn't pass the Cobber test necessarily. So um, blue was a little thin for me. What do you have in blue?
0: Well, like the first two that pop up aren't particularly good.
1: Got a frog in your throat?
0: <coughs> yes.
1: <laughs> yeah admiral's order and crafty cut purse are not limited cards i would say um the the first one honestly that i saw when i scrolled all the way down and it wasn't even that i thought it would be good it was i was wondering if it was potential for it to be a card and limited was induced amnesia okay um and 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 after i read it read it about eight times and finally absorbed exactly what it did i didn't think there was a place for it but i thought maybe we should mention it anyway so induced amnesia it's two blue for an enchantment when it enters the battlefield. Target player exiles all cards from his or her hand face down and then draws that many cards when it's put into the battle. Sorry, into a graveyard from the battlefield. Return the exiled cards to their owner's hand. Um, there's, there's the problem I have with this card is
0: I'm not sure if I'm casting it on myself or if I'm casting it on my opponent. Well, if you cast it on your opponent, you're not really doing anything unless you're milling mm-hmm. them out. So if there's right. a mill strategy, maybe this is a part of it. And if you're casting it on yourself, you've kind of built your own like cut rate tormenting voice, right? So the joke would be that I hold until I've got three lands and then I cast this, but I spent a card to cycle three lands. So I, I don't think I'm super happy about it either way. The only way I could see this being abused is if you're blue deck
1: was controlly enough and had bounce spells that you weren't using for tempo that bounced permanence not creatures and you could somehow recur this twice Dave. that's the only way that i could figure out that this would work and obviously i'm off on it like i like i'm not interested in this one but I wanted to
0: make sure I wasn't missing anything here. No, not that I'm aware of. Yes. Ideally you're like, somebody is going to build a deck where they recur this five times and build their opponent out. And that's real cool. Send me a screenshot. Uh, They're also going to lose every other game that they play. So they'll just have that one screenshot to remember, but that's, that's good enough for, for somebody who's into that. I'm, I'm not.
1: Yeah. Cause like you could, I'm thinking like, you cast this on yourself on turn three and you exile like four cards, draw four new ones. One of them happens to be a bounce spell. You bounce it, get your four cards back, play a land, play this again, exile your seven, and then you're drawing like 14.
0: Yeah, you could sort of start to do something there.
1: And then and then you're on five mana and still can't cast all the cards in your hand and you end up discarding the hand size. Yeah. All right. That's what I thought it
0: was. Yep. Yep uh Metra's awakening i think is actually quite decent at two blue blue for an enchantment at the beginning of your upkeep each player draws a card if you have city's blessing instead only you draw a card so
1: we go from one do nothing enchantment to not really a do nothing enchantment no no this is um the howling mine Mm -hmm. except that it happens on your upkeep which is good because your opponent doesn't get the opportunity to cast the card before you so they don't get the benefit until you do which is interesting and then obviously if you can ascend i think the jury's out on how easy that's going to be um i should have looked back at ixalan drafts that i did to see how many times i had just 10 permanents and play randomly mm-hmm. um but uh yeah if you never trigger ascend it's four mana for a do nothing Not not really a do nothing but pretty close because your opponent's getting the same benefit as you
0: you're halfway there when you cast the card though as far as ascend goes uh, most of the time, yes,
1: you should be halfway there.
0: Yeah, it would be difficult not to be unless it involved treasure tokens. And it, at some point, like most of those come with creatures, right? So you've got four lands in this, so you're almost there. I, I don't think it passes the Chupacabra test. So I'm, I don't think, I'll, and I don't think it passes the better than common removal test, but it, it can still be a good card and not beat those cards, right? So this is on my radar as one I want to try out. Sure. I think,
1: I think it's cool. Um, and I'm sure that, uh, you know maybe we'll see that ascend is really easy to get and then this card goes way up in value i think yeah okay um nezahal primal tide here's another elder dinosaur this one i think is much better than the white one though it's a five blue blue for a seven seven can't be countered just just random upside you have no maximum hand size hey great it goes in the uh what was it called induce amnesia deck yeah um whenever an opponent casts a non-creature spell draw a card bonus and then discard three cards exile this return it. i like this is exile in the hall it doesn't actually say the full name so exile this return it to the battlefield tapped under its owner's control at the beginning of the next end step so you can protect it um, by pitching useless cards from your hand mm-hmm. so the 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 normal course of play here will be you play it doesn't get countered your opponent goes to remove it you draw a card and then you now have three cards in hand hopefully that you can pitch blink this and then your opponent spends another piece of removal on it uh next turn you know asking your opponent the question do you have two pieces of removal is quite frequently a question that gets answered with a no in limited um especially when you're on turn like 10 11 12 not a lot of people have or not a lot of a lot of decks have two unconditional removal spells at that point of the game um obviously if it's game two or game three and they know this card is coming they might save them but um you should be able to protect this card um against most opponents in most cases if you make sure that you're let's say holding a land card or something like that in hand because you know that you're going to need to to discard to this which unfortunately is counterintuitive because you also want to get to seven mana with this
0: i think what that means is that this goes in a treasure deck yes where i can go sailor of memes prosperous pirates nezahal and I've still actually got two cards in my hand because if I can do all of that, you're, you're not beating this. Yeah. Um, and if you draw it, like if you, if you know, if you know it's in your
1: hand already, um, and maybe you don't have those treasures, you can hold back cards like two mana tutus or something like that, that you don't need to play in order to protect this. There, there are ways you can kind of work around it. I think this is an interesting card. I don't know if it passes the Chupacabra test for me, but I am interested in trying to construct a deck around this card at some point.
0: Yeah. Um, again, I I think seven is much less than eight. Like it's it's not just one turn sooner; it's like three turns sooner because finding that eighth land is difficult. I think being in blue helps this a lot because I I can again see that curve of making some treasure, slamming this with a few cards in hand, and then them not being able to deal with it. It is vulnerable to getting gang blocked, right? So if they've got you know a, a two, three, fours, and a two, two it's not going to be great for you to attack with it. But I think that's still a situation where you're fine because the ground's covered. You're in blue. You've probably got a flyer or two. So I I think this is playable. I agree. It doesn't quite pass the common removal test, but I'm not going to be unhappy to see it in a sealed pool.
1: No. And the, the, whenever your opponent casts a non-creature spell, draw a card, I think is that that is not insignificant.
0: Yeah. Agree. Okay. Next up for me is Seafloor Oracle. Uh, mm-hmm. This is 2-blue-blue blue for a 2-3. Whenever a merfolk you control deals combat damage to a player, draw a card. Um, this is sort of like Edric, which we've seen in Cube recently, which was 1-blue-green uh, for a 2-2. Two, two, whenever a creature you control damages a player, draw a card. Obviously, he's a lot better, because this is functionally a gold card too, right? Like, you're, you're playing this in blue-green. But we've already seen some merfolk that are difficult to block in this set, We know that there are flying merfolk in the previous set. I don't think this is going to be too difficult to turn on. The body is not terribly exciting as a 2-3 in a world of hill giants, but I think you're mostly playing this as, again, like an enchantment to start pulling ahead. So when we saw like those, you know, one and two drop merfolk that I wasn't terribly excited about, if I have this in my deck, all of a sudden I'm kind of interested in those. And I think that I might be able to get them late enough that I, I can have a pretty good merfolk deck um it it again is one of those things it's like do you want to commit to a tribe or just take a solid removal spell i probably don't want to commit to a tribe that early but this guy's going to be a beast in merfolk decks because like sometimes you would just run out of cards and have your opponent get you yeah and this hopefully helps that um
1: i think the the best case scenario which is not magical christmas land but i think it's very realistic is you go two drop merfolk three drop merfolk this And maybe those merfolks, let's say are three threes or three twos. If they're uh, maybe they have explore or something like that. And then your opponent has to decide, do they chump block or give you a card? Mm -hmm. Um, and, and and I think that will be in a scenario that's easy to engineer, uh, with it, with a deck with this card in it. So, because we saw that with merfolk decks before this card existed, where your opponent would go, you know, wayfinder on turn three and it was a three, three and you're like, well, this sucks. Like I'm going to have trouble blocking a three, three next turn. Um, and, attacking draw card on top of that i think is just is just gravy it also makes those unblockable creatures um a little bit better
0: mm-hmm.
1: and uh and that's always better or that's always good to get some upside on your unblockable creatures yeah i'm game not quite chupacabra but i will definitely look to pick this uh last one for me unless you had any other ones was the Warkite marauder uh one in a blue for two one flying human pirate, and when it attacks target creature defending player controls loses all ability and has base power and toughness of zero and one till end of turn uh if your opponent only has one flyer this gets it out of the way, uh this can open up combat by removing essentially your opponent's best creature um for the turn, opening up attacks on the ground. I think this is a neat little little card little role player that will find its way into. Any deck that's playing blue,
0: I think so too. Um, it it pushes aggressive strategies, which is certainly not a bad thing. It, remat- it reminds me of the territorial hammer skull, which we saw in mm-hmm. white, because it's functionally saying one of your dudes can't block. It's also making anything that messes with you know one toughness creatures quite good in your deck. So I I might consider playing something conditional like that if I have one of these. It doesn't really strike me as rare, but I'm kind of glad it is because I, I don't really want to play against it that much. But this is something I'd pick early and I think might actually be competing with the Chupacabra because it's a nice cheap rate with a relevant creature type uh, that's evasive all on its own. Like 2-1 flying for two, I'm i I'm pretty good with that. It can block flyers and non-flyers, that sounds good. Other flyers can't block it, that's even better. So like I, I kind of dig this. I, I kind of like that
1: this absolutely neuters the uh, the elder dry, or elder dinosaurs. Yeah,
0: that is fantastic.
1: <laughs> Just like who would win elder elder dinosaur or one spicy boy flying on a uh, on a on a glider. Looks like spicy boy has it. Yeah, I, I would at least until or at least until the end of turn. And then when the dinosaur attacks back, then you're in trouble. But uh, for one turn, you do have the
0: glory. Yep. All right. Speaking of glory, we have a glorious rare in black that I'm excited Ooh. to play with. I would pick over the chupacabra, even if I don't end up in vampires. I'm happy to have a champion of dusk, three black black for a four four. This is a very relevant sized body in this set. We got a a, a kind of spoiler with that in the last set with all the five mana four fours, and they were just good. So like I'm I'm happy with the five mana four four. When champion of dusk enters the battlefield, you draw X cards and lose X life where X is the number of vampires you control. So that's at least one, right? Mm-hmm. So just on its face, five mana, four, four, draw a card, lose one life sold. And it can get way better because even your black decks that aren't trying, will have a vampire here and there, and you could get it a lot better than that. Uh, so I'm all in on champion of dusk would first pick this over at Chupacabra and then cut black and punish my neighbor. Yes,
1: I agree completely. Uh note that this is a must, not a may, although the number of games that will come up in is very rare. You're probably losing that game anyway. Um but like I think average case for this card is drawing 3 to 4 cards easily in a vampire deck because you're going to have, you know, your your 22s two for 2 that are on the board that have been around and they can't attack or block anymore. Um, You're going to have the occasional token or a flyer that's been around forever. I think getting three
0: cards out of this card uh, a lot of the time is going to be very easy. I think so too in a vampire deck. And again, just worst case scenario, five mana, four, four draw a card. I'm I'm already good with that. So if that's the worst it can possibly be, sign me up. Yeah.
1: I love those cards with the low floor. It's just you're never making a mistake picking it. Uh, That's kind of my favorite card. I don't have to think about it.
0: Yeah, I like not thinking. It's great
1: um card i'm interested in is the dire fleet poisoner uh one in the black for a 2-2 human pirate with flash and death touch which is kind of neat it's like almost unconditional removal uh, for two mana however it has the upside of when it enters the battlefield target attacking pirate you control gets plus one plus one gains death touch until end of turn so you can potentially ambush your opponent on blocks with this just flashing it into play but you can also ambush them on attacks which i think is very cool um it, it's kind of a modal spell you know be a combat trick or be an unconditional removal spell um and it even also has the potential upside of you know you your opponent sticks something big and important in front of a a random pirate you know you're swinging for a lot of damage and they just need to put something in the way they might not see this coming and sometimes you can trade you know, a one for one in what was going to be a zero for one in your opponent's favor.
0: Yeah. I mean, if you enjoyed playing the mini game of do they have the four mana pirate that kills something that was damaged this turn, this will make it even worse because they can have this and then something else. And if you block wrong, like they can just pump a pirate and win a combat anyway and keep it. So a lot of two for one potential here. And again, the the worst case scenario is I flash this in and kill a non evasive threat when I'm behind. That sounds great. I think there'll be games where you end up just playing it out on turn two or, you know, end of your opponent's turn, flash it in. That's fine. Oh, um, I mean, well,
1: we played two mana two, two death touch. Or well, I guess two mana one, one death touch, like no problem in, in previous sets. So yeah, if the floor of that is this or if the floor of this is that, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm all about this card. I will pick this over at Chupacabra, I think. Agree, agree. All right. So Chupacabra, it turns out black cards are better than Chupacabra.
0: Who knew? Is black secretly the best color. See, that's the thing. I I think that the black rares are really good, but the black common creatures were kind of not so great. So um, I, I think and- you you get into black for a rare or a removal spell, and then you supplement it with one of the other colors. Whereas blue rares looked kind of underwhelming, so it's like, what do you need to do to get into blue? Um, probably see a couple good blue cards go by, and then jump on that train.
1: Yeah. Um. Next up, you want to read the Elder—I elder. elder I want to call them dragons. And they're basically
0: the dragons of the format, but the Elder Dinosaur? Yeah, this is the first Elder Dinosaur that I actively really like. Tetsamok Primal Death. Four black-black for a 6-6 six, six Death Touch. Pretty good. Yeah. I mean, Death Touch is kind of not that relevant on a 6-6, six, six, but carry on. Well, there's times where they have, a you know, 2 three fours, and you play your Colossal Dreadmaw, mm-hmm. and you're like, meh. meh. Like, it's— yeah, so th- this is fine. But we have Black reveal Tetsamok. Put a prey counter on target creature. Activate this ability only during your turn. When Tetsamok enters the battlefield, destroy each creature your opponents control with a prey counter on it.
1: Now, are they praying for their lives or are they getting hunted? They're getting hunted. Yeah, th- <laughs> I, probably both at that point. <laughs> yeah, this is... so paint a picture for me what is your kind of what do you think your average play of this card is going to be in a match so like you have it in your opening hand and you're revealing it as frequently as you can to put prey counters on things or are you really looking to like you know wait for your opponent to go wide then you know turn six turn seven reveal this a bunch of times and then cast it the next turn are you looking to reveal it and cast it in the same turn
0: what are you looking to do with this I think there's two things that are happening here. One, if it is in my opener, whenever I have excess mana, I'm going to reveal it and put a counter on their best creature that they have so that when I get to six, I can cast it and kill one, two, three creatures, whatever it is. I'm not going to skip playing something that affects the board in order to reveal it. Mm -hmm. Okay, If I draw it on turn six and I'm really far behind, I may just have to play the darn thing if I don't have time. Right. Mm -hmm. However, if I do, I'm, and I've got three black mana, I might just, if I'm not behind, I'm going to reveal it three times and the next turn untap and play it. And then if I draw it on turn nine, it's a question, how much extra black mana do you have? Right. Because I can, you know, if I've got, let's say eight mana and enough black, I can just reveal it twice, play it, blow up two of your dudes and have a massive three for one in my favor. Like all of those scenarios sound good to me. Yeah, you're not even that sad as a one for one because you could do worse for your six mana, six, six. So yeah, it, it comes with a huge body and it's probably killing something, right? And then there's scenarios where it could, wi- it, it could wipe their board. Like it's not happening that often, but I, I think it will kill enough relevant stuff that we're pretty happy with it. So sign me up, Tetsamok. I'll join the cult. Yep, I'm in as well. Um, Are you
1: interested in Tomb Robber at all? What am I supposed to do with this? I didn't get it. Okay, so Tomb Robber is two and a black for a one-one human pirate with menace. I think menace is the key one here, key card or a keyword here that, that puts this card a little bit higher. You can pay one, discard a card. Tomb Robber explores. I think what you're supposed to do here is pitch the extra land that you draw with it if you don't need it until you put a good card on top and then hopefully making this guy you know, a two, two or a three, three throughout the, throughout the course of the game. Um, And then you have a three, three menace. I don't think it, it gets there. Uh, I remember the dead eye tracker from the previous set and that I thought had more potential than it ended up actually being. And, um, and I think this fits that same space.
0: Dead eye tracker ended up being at least playable and in scenarios was actively good, Whereas I can't imagine wanting to put this in a deck. This is where I'll pull the you can play eighteen lands, yeah, conversation because um, three mana for a one one, and I got to discard two cards and then hope that there's non lands on top of my deck to get a three three. Like there's a three mana three three in black at common. I can just play mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. That's where I think the menace. Like if this if this is becomes a three three easily or
1: becomes a four four easily, then it's it's a very good card. But you have to spend so much resource. Like so many resources, so much mana on it. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't think
0: there, there was a common three mana, three, three menace in red in the last set. If you had another pirate mm-hmm. and that wasn't that hard to set up. And it, I mean, it was certainly good in red pirate decks, but nobody was like, oh, my God, this card's broken. I think this is just trash.
1: Mm-hmm. I think it's going I think people are going to think that it's better than it is.
0: Yeah, well, it's it's just unplayable garbage. So if you think it's anything other than that, you're probably doing it wrong. I look forward to you defending your position in your Twitch chat. Yeah, it'll be fun. Somebody will tell me to take it, but I think anybody that can like walk through the scenarios with this, like the, the it's selling a dream and it's, it's just not there. It's just not there.
1: Yeah. And yeah, there are in green, there are some repeatable, repeatable explore effects that are free that I think are what you want to be looking for. If you're looking for a repeatable explore effect.
0: Yeah. Um. How about the Twilight Prophet, though? Sold. I'm, yeah. I'm 100% down on this. We've got two black black for a 2-4 Flying Vampire Cleric. Sounds good. I, I'm, I'm listening. Ascend. At the beginning of your upkeep, if you have the blessing, reveal the top card of your library. Put it into your hand. Your opponent loses X life and you gain X life, where X is that card's converted mana cost. So on curve, this puts you halfway to ascend and gives you a 2-4 flyer, which we're already pretty happy about with a relevant creature type. And then if you ever do end up getting the City's Blessing, you're just drawing extra cards while you're draining your opponent. Uh, that makes it a must-kill threat as uh, almost as soon as Ascend is triggered. Mm-hmm. So this this looks great. And again, this is a card I would play in any black deck. So for me, this passes the Chupacabra test. Even though they can't really tangle in the arena, I'm still super happy to have this in my deck because just... Like, I don't have a problem playing it on turn four. Like, a 2 4 flyer is just great. It blocks most of the other flyers. It blocks a lot of stuff on the ground if you need to. It can attack in for damage. You know, again, Vampire's a relevant card type. This looks great. I mean, it, I mean, its ceiling depends on the
1: ease of gaining the city's blessing. But even if you don't, the floor is, is pretty, pretty high still. So, or at least pretty average. So, yeah, I, I look forward to this one. I look forward to playing it on turn nine and being a turn away from a sand and then my opponent removing it. <laughs> Keep dreaming, Dave. Yep. Shoot. Read or uh, what is it? Aim for the stars. And that way if you or aim for the moon, because if you'll miss, you'll be among the stars. That's terrible. It is terrible. Um, anything else in black? Or are you, are you done with black? Yeah, that's got it for me. All right, me too. Red. First one for me, not blood sun. No nope. sorry, Bob. Um, Dire Fleet Daredevil. Um, I saw somewhere the nickname for this was Slapcaster Mage. No, no, no. It's Snatchcaster Mage. Snatchcaster mage because you're stealing. It mm-hmm. is she is stealing treasure, which is kind of sweet. Mm-hmm. So it's a one and a red for two-one, first strike, human pirate. Sorry, human pirate with first strike. When it enters the battlefield, you get to target your opponents graveyard or instance or sorcery in your opponent's graveyard and you can cast that card this turn spending mana as though it was any color to cast it um yeah obviously missing flash like snapcaster mage but it is pretty sweet
0: yeah in in limited um what i like about this card is it's a two drop that's really good on turn two and don't be embarrassed to do that if you have to right a two one first striker is actually quite good for your your mana on turn two and if the game goes later and your opponent casts any instant or sorcery spell, then you just get a, a kind of a free two for one off of this. Again, as long as it's something that you can cast and do something with, you're not going to get them with a counter spell or do anything broken like that. But if they've played a removal spell, you can play a copy of it. If they've played a card draw spell, you can play a copy of it. So I, I don't really want to cast this on turn two unless I have to um but the fact that i can if if i just need a body to start enabling raid or doing something is great and then that 2 for 1 value is is again just kind of built in as long as you can get the mana going so this is something that i will first pick and be happy with like most of the decks that i run in most formats have four instants or sorceries in them at at least so i'm i'm assuming my opponents will have those too some of them like having to sorcery speed it isn't super exciting like if I play this and get a combat trick, I'm not like thrilled, but I did get some value out of it. You're really looking to hit like removal or card draw or maybe even bounce. Most decks will have some kind of hard removal. Yeah, it's In, just a question. Is, of exactly. Will they have cast it first? And, and you won't know that, but like there's a lot of value stapled on this card. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, the biggest mistake you can you can make, though, I think is certainly being too proud to cast it. It was like a two one first striker on turn two. That's tough to block.
0: Yeah, it's pretty darn good.
1: Yeah. Here's another elder dinosaur, though.
0: What uh, what does Itali do? Atali is four red red for a six six. So cowl prowler on its face. When it attacks, exile the top card of each player's library. Then you may cast any number of non land cards exiled this way without paying their mana costs. So if you like casting your opponent's cards for free, and your own, and your own. This is the card for you. It's also a six mana six six, which I, I think we decided was pretty much playable in pretty, this format, anyway. Yeah, pretty
1: fine. Um, I look forward to casting this Intuitive Giant at the pre-release because <laughs> you get and four cards instead of four two. cards off of it. But no, like realistically speaking, um, in your average game of limited with two average decks, you know, seventeen lands or whatever, um, you should hit. Most of the time, at least one castable card off of this when you attack, right? Either from your your deck or your opponent's. Sometimes you're gonna hit, get hit two lands. That's just how this card is gonna work. Sometimes, um, but for every time you hit two lands, you're going to hit a spell, or or better, you're gonna hit two spells. Um, you know, the, the the odds are in your favor with this card, so don't be afraid to get into the into the red zone with this.
0: Also, don't just throw it away hoping that the spells are good. Mm-hmm. Is the other thing I would encourage people with, like, when you make the attack, you don't know what you're going to get. So I would still only attack with it if I have good attacks, and good attacks can be, you know, they have two three threes. I'm pretty happy jamming this in and trading if they've got a colossal dreadmaw that they just cast. I'd much rather attack with this than try to block it, obviously, because I can get the value out of it. So like, I, I'm not opposed to attacking where it's going to trade with something, even if it's a slight trade down. Like they have a four four and a three three. I might still go for that. Right. I I would consider it based on knowledge of my hand. What else my opponent has, how many cards they have, et cetera, et cetera. But like if they've got two five fives, I'm not swinging this into them.
1: No, no, you're not. I don't think you're very happy unless you happen to know what's on the top of your deck, whether you, maybe you scry or explored or something like that. And you know, it's removal or a combat trick. Now, if I'm reading this correctly, um, you have to cast them as part of this effect it's not till end of turn so that means you can actually you'd be able to cast a sorcery speed removal spell in combat i think so because it says whenever it attacks exile then you may cast any number of lawnland cards exile this way without paying their mana costs yeah so uh, that might not come up very frequently but I, I if i'm reading it correctly i have to check the the notes
0: but um yeah, I that's think that, a judge question, because if it doesn't work that way, then the only thing you could cast with it are instants and it would be terrible.
1: Well, and, and you're right. That would assume that you can cast it until end of turn. So you must have to cast them as part of this um, this coming down. So so that means combat tricks you would have to target before your opponent declared blockers
0: so if you happen to read the free combat tricks they're they're free
1: uh, combat tricks right but you wouldn't be able to like wait to see what your opponent blocked um and then put the combat trick on something else for example um so there's an interesting kind of um nuances about this card but um i I think it's good like i'm very interested in playing with this card i hope i open it in a sealed pool i really hope i open it into it a giant not gonna lie um but uh I, i think it'll be interesting to play with in limited.
0: Yeah, and and again, just remember we've got ramp in blue, green, and red now. Mm-hmm. So don't don't be afraid to play a six drop. Yep. Um, what's next for me? Rekindling Phoenix. Yeah,
1: Rekindling Phoenix. I'm super excited about. Yeah, two red, red for a four three Phoenix, and obviously it flies. It's a Phoenix sold and as yeah sold right there. Unfortunately, doesn't have haste like Phoenix is past. <laughs> but um when it dies you get a zero one elemental token with the ability oh god okay so when this dies create a zero one red elemental creature token with quote at the beginning of your upkeep sacrifice this creature referencing the token and return target card named rekindling phoenix from your graveyard to the battlefield it gets haste until end of turn so as opposed to previous phoenix cards which would um, you know, exile themselves and then come back, or morph themselves and then you could unmorph them. This one creates a uh, an egg. Let's say um, that if the egg survives until the next turn, uh, you then get the phoenix back, as long as the phoenix is still in your graveyard.
0: But I don't care about that. I just want a four mana four three that flies. Yeah, yeah, I'm already sold with that, and the fact that it's difficult to deal with makes me super happy. Uh, again, it's worth noting things like claustrophobia and passive... Pacifism will cleanly answer this. So there are ways to deal with it without 2 for one yourself, but there's not a lot. And we're already happy on the base rate of a 4-3 flyer for two red-red. Like, I'm happy on the base rate of two red-red for a 4-3. Tack flying on it, and I'm super happy. It's a mythic. We won't see it that often, but it is a very good-rate creature that's very annoying to deal with. So I, I'm super interested in that one. Yep. Um... That's it for red for me, unless you wanted to talk about Tinuali's Summoner. No, but I I do think Silverclad for Ocidons is worth mentioning. Mm, I I missed that one. Yep. I I don't think it's amazing. It's five red red for an eight five. Uh, Whenever it's dealt damage, each opponent sacrifices a permanent. I'm I'm just going to put this out here that it reminds me a little bit of Angrath's Marauders. And that was sometimes playable in Sealed if you had enough treasure. So like normally I'm just very dismissive of of seven drops, but we could sort of play those with, you know, enough treasure producers. So I I think you might be able to play this card and it will be incredibly annoying for your opponent to kill if they're trying to block it. Uh, And nobody's attacking into it. So while I don't think it's particularly great, I I do think this is, again, seven's kind of my cutoff. The eight mana was what scared me, but like, if you just need a big dumb thing, this is pretty big. And it is pretty annoying. I mean, obviously, your opponent will likely just
1: sacrifice a land, um, but that could put them in a bad spot, too. So if the land was important to them, this could potentially be a three for one uh, counting the land.
0: Yeah. So like, I, I'm, I'm not going to turn that down.
1: No. And again, if you have ways to trigger Enrage, rage, I know we talked about it in the previous set and it didn't really pan out. Maybe it's a little different in this one. Um, it's not. But we but we do have good removal. That specifically deals damage in red to your own creature.
0: Yes, we do have one of those cards that everybody's first picking. I know it's so good. Um,
1: I'm I'm just saying that well, actually you've got the 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 green red pinger as well when it attacks, right? Like just like we had the sword tooth in the previous set. Yeah. People did play the sword tooth though. Yeah, and it was good. So, okay, back up to the last set real quick was the problem with the enrage just that there wasn't enough enablers or that there wasn't enough enrage cards that you were interested in, in like pinging with dual shot
0: and things like that. It it was honestly both, mm-hmm. right? The enablers weren't flexible enough to do anything outside of, of what they did on their own. And then any of the things that you triggered short of a few rares, weren't that impressive that you're going out of your way to trigger them. So it was more like incidental triggers. I, I mentioned this on the set review and I think on the last podcast, that Enrage more or less says when this creature dies, do this, right? Yeah, because so it, would, like, yeah, it wouldn't take damage multiple times. Yeah, but it, it was just like, this is really neat if you get a fight spell with it. And I'm already interested in fight spells in my big green creature decks, so that just kind of played together nicely. Yeah, okay. Um. Yeah, okay, so that's
1: it for me for red. Um. Red? I mean, all these, you know what? I have this problem every format. I look at all the rares. I look at all the cool uncommons and commons and I'm like, man, this color looks
0: great. Yeah, they all look great when you're looking at the rares. I mean, again, I feel like the blue ones were a little bit underwhelming. Um, So be on the lookout in early drafts. If you're drafting with people that don't draft very often, they may just take their rare and force it. Mm -hmm. And it looks like not a lot of people will be forcing blue cards. And that could be good for you in pack two and three. It's a true story.
1: All right, let's move it on to green here. I I hope you like Merfolk. There's a lot of Merfolk in green. Um, Deeproot Elite is a card that I'm interested in Merfolk. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it's even constructed playable as well. If there's a Merfolk deck floating around there, this looks like it might be a staple. Whenever another Merfolk enters the battlefield under your control, put a plus one plus one counter on target Merfolk you control. Mm -hmm. So... I think that's great. It can go on this. It can go on a hexproof Merfolk. It can go on that Merfolk that just entered the battlefield. You get to
0: decide. It's cool. It's It does have that flexibility of letting you do a lot. It's, again, one of those cards that's like, this goes right into a tribe, mm-hmm. right? So you first pick this. You're saying, I want to play Merfolk. And I don't know that it's powerful enough that I'm going to slam it. And then if Merfolk is, isn't is open, not be sad that I didn't just take uh, I again, I know every pack's not going to have pacifism and lightning bolt in it, but I, I'm not taking this over premium removal, mm-hmm. which is is interesting to say about a rare. That said, I do think it'll be quite good in a merfolk deck.
1: Absolutely. Um, you take it in a pack that doesn't have chupacabra um, or like, you know, pacifism, like you say. And if you end up in the merfolk deck, I think this would be a very good card. But I'm, I think this would be a very annoying card to play against. Let's we'll put it that way.
0: There's plenty of Ixalan drafts I did where I picked a good vampire card, a good dinosaur card, a card that's good in any deck, a good merfolk deck. And it wasn't until pack five that I'm like, OK, I should have been playing pirates the whole time. Let's get in. Mm-hmm. OK, what else do you have in green? Um, Let's talk about the elder dinosaur, uh, Galta, Primal Hungerer. Yeah. ten green, green for a 12-12 trample. Does it have isn't an Eldrazi? No, it is not. Well, it may as well be. It has these little arms. Um, it costs X less to cast where X is the total power of creatures you control. So it's an Eldrazi. Sort of. Yes. OK. Oh,
1: If you could guarantee me that X was. Always. Six. No, if you could even if 5. So if I was always able to cast this for 7 mana, guaranteed, I would pick it every
0: single time. Do you usually play hill giants and grizzly bears in Ixalan? I do. However,
1: it's not always the case that you have 5 total power on the board and 7 mana at the same time.
0: And and I I agree with you, right? There's some drawbacks here. But what this is asking you to do in green isn't a very difficult sell. It's saying, play a green deck that has big creatures in it. Well, if you're playing green, you're probably doing that anyway. Again, I I don't know that this goes above some of the premium removal spells. But like I said, if you're in green, it's not not too crazy to think that you could play a Colossal Dreadmaw and then the turn after follow it up with this, and then they're just dead. Yes,
1: you're not wrong. This is a miserable top deck on like turn 11 where you're you just remove your opponent's thing and they just remove your thing and you're both looking at top decking on an empty board. Absolutely miserable top deck.
0: It does probably mean that the turn after like when you draw your next creature it'll be fine, but like there's plenty of stuff that's miserable top decks that we still play. Like you're not super excited about a combat trick at that point either. No. But here we are.
1: Yes. I don't know. I think I think this will be um the front runner for most disappointing rare
0: that people thought was going to be good. Uh, maybe I'm, maybe I'm tempering my expectations cause I don't think it's going to be amazing. No, but no I do no. think it's going to be good.
1: Yeah. And, and I, and I think that, you know, a lot of people will, will say like, Hey, I think this might be good. And I think it will be, I, th- I think the, the variability, the, the swinginess of this card um i think will make it not 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 that good
0: this is this is not swingy this is have big creatures in your green deck um slaughter the strong is swingy this is i don't know what this is going to do when i put it in my deck but i'm going to put it in my deck because it has a rare symbol on it and see what happens this is just have dudes in your in your deck Uh, this this could be just like some games is just gonna be unplayable
1: yeah games where you didn't have any creatures anyway stone unplayable yeah. Right. And you could you could have put uh, you could have put a, a three mana three three in your deck in this spot instead and played it and chump blocked on a turn as opposed to not doing anything on turn
0: eight. I, I don't know, man. I don't I don't usually try to win games by chump blocking, but
1: no, but that's that's what I mean. Like, but you know what I mean? Like you were you were losing that game anyway. But like if, if this is in your opening hand, it's not very good. No, Do, like it's it's like basically a mulligan every time this is in your opening hand
0: it's it's a mulligan that's beautiful once you've played some creatures <laughs> right and yeah. it, again there there are high power ones in green I, I i'm not thinking that this is much better than colossal dread but colossal dread was really good like at, towards the end doing ixalan sealed builds that was a common that i put in the reasons to be this color so yeah, if well, i had two dread i was almost always playing
1: green here's the thing about rivals of ixalan you can put as many Colossal Dreadmaws in your deck that you as you draft. <laughs> you actually can, can't you? Because they reprinted it. So no. You know what? Um I, I'm I'm mostly giving you a hard time about it because I think it is very similar to the argument that I was making, right? Where you can see situations where this is a, a playable card and it wins the game. Um and, and I'm looking at the situations where it's just a completely dead card in your hand. Um and I'm not I'm not seeing it from your perspective um, and I think I just need to flip my perspective around and and see that. So it'll be interesting. Um, I do think that it will be a very somewhat disappointing card. Not very. I think it will be slightly below where I think it will be low below where a lot of people are putting it.
0: Okay. And you could be right about that and it'd still be good. Oh,
1: absolutely. And I could be totally wrong about it. It could be like stone pick, like stone cold first pick every single time.
0: All right, we'll Except
1: see. I'll take my Chupacabra over it.
0: Yeah, yeah. I would love how every pack we open has a bomb rare and a Chupacabra. It just Works makes it so, it so much, much easier. In this format. Yeah.
1: How many Chupacabras would you play?
0: How many can I have? I guess you could probably have like 24. Um. Honestly, I think I'd play 20. I want a few two drops. <laughs> you want a few two drops. Yeah. All right, that's fair. Um...
1: Path of discovery is a card that interested me. I have a question mark next to this one. And so it's three and a green for an enchantment. Whenever a creature enters the battlefield under your control, it explores. It's kind of like radiant destiny kind of like vanquishers banner. Not quite either of them, not quite both of them together. It's kind of, it's a, it lives in a weird space here. So I think what you're looking at this one, obviously, is you're just playing creatures and you're like, Hey, either I'm drawing lands, which, you know, may or may not be good. We, I really like the explore mechanic from, from Ixalan. Um, or your creatures are ending the battlefield and you're getting a plus one plus one counter on them. The problem is, is it just does nothing. The turn you play it. Um, this is interesting because it's not just creatures you cast. It's creatures that enter the battlefield. So if you happen to pl- be playing merfolk, all your little tokens that you might be making, um, also come into play with explore or potentially plus one, plus one counters on them. Um, and then obviously your creatures that have explore naturally would just get to do it twice. So I think this card has some upside, um, but I think it could also be very bad. So I think it's kind of a low floor, high ceiling type card.
0: Yeah. And I think you kind of hit the nail on the head there in the decks that are interested in it decks that are, are have cards that can make two creatures for one card would be interested in this style of effect, or decks that are just interested in maximizing Explore. We saw some Explore payoffs in the last set, um, so if you have a sealed pool with this and two of the lurking Chupacabras, maybe we can start talking, because at that point you don't care. You just want cards that say Explore. But I think generally speaking, we're paying a bit too much for this, because like, spending turn four or five to play something that can't attack or block and hoping that I can then untap and begin to generate value is is, again, a nice dream, and I've I've got a lot of creatures in my deck, but this this doesn't scream bomb to me. Mm-mm. It it does it does kind of whisper maybe may playable, but I, I'm I'm the jury's still out on this one for me. Mm-hmm. I think that whisper. I, I, I kind of need to see somebody beat me with it, and then I'll, then we'll talk. I think the whisper that you're
1: hearing is value, right? Yeah, and and, and you do need like. I guess if you get two, three triggers off of this card, you're
0: probably pretty happy with that. But that's
1: like three turns down the road
0: after casting this card. Let, let's let just say it said four mana when you play a creature, draw a card. Are you interested in that? Well, yeah, that's Vanquisher's Banner, basically. Yeah. And so we started to consider something like that. And it, it sort of said, let's say if it said when you play a creature, it gets plus one, plus one and you scry are you interested in that yeah what was that card
1: the um the format of artifact from kaladesh scrying something the green
0: one yeah i remember which talk- well, the 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 thing there was you could pay green you and draw pay, the card you could pay green and draw a card right mm-hmm. like that was better than
1: this certainly but they lived in the same space where this card did nothing but if you untap with it and you start drawing cards with it it can get out of control yeah this isn't quite that because the cards you're drawing are lands however you can start like you know filtering the top of your deck if you're looking for something specific and making your creatures bigger isn't not an intangible like it's a tangible benefit so jury's out for me but i i am interested in trying it or seeing people play with it yeah agree
0: i want to try it okay um next up for me is jade light ranger yes this is one green green for a two one explore explore
1: explore twice two explorers i love mm-hmm. i love that um
0: it's a merfolk it's also a merfolk scout yeah so i, I play this and either it's a 2-1 and i draw two cards it's a 3-2 and i draw one card or it's a 4-3 and i'm happy about it yep because i did that on purpose
1: yeah because you put the card back on top you don't look at the top two cards you look at the first one first put it back or, or put it in the graveyard to put it in your hand and then do it again um Format of 4 3 is good, right? Like we yeah. play we played the serpapod in the previous format that had flash though. Um yeah. It, it,
0: to, to be fair, that was not a format of hill giants. It's true, right? Like stuff got big. Everybody was playing four fours and five fives and like four fours with flashback. I I think a four three on turn three. Would be a bigger deal here than it was there, mm-hmm. I almost wish it was a one two frankly I, I think yes. it might be a little bit better with that stat line, but like there there's no scenario where I can cast this card, and i'm unhappy with what I get the, like some people will be upset when they play an explore card and draw a land, but you were going to draw the land anyway, like you didn't have any choice about that. it was always on the top of your deck, so the card you draw after that, if it's an action card, well, then this did do something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like I, I'm super excited about Jade Light Ranger. Um, are you looking to cast this more? Like, do
1: you care about when you cast this? Like, are you really looking to build your deck around casting this on turn three, turn four, making sure you have ten green sources, for example? Um, or do you think it's a fine late game card? Are you happy if you can't necessarily cast
0: it on curve? It doesn't necessarily have to be on curve uh, because again, two green, green four three, I think would be fine here. If the root breaker worm or whatever it was from battle for Zendikar was in this set, I think you'd probably be all right playing that at least in sealed and maybe even some in draft. So like that doesn't hurt me too much. I'd rather have nine forests and eight of my other color for this. So I'll warp it a little bit, mm-hmm. but not too much. Okay. You are losing some of the value if you can't turn three yet. That's true. Cool. What about Poly Raptor? Is this a card you're interested in? All right, so we've got six green green. That's yep. eight mm-hmm. for a five-five. Mm-hmm. Enrage, create a token that's a copy. Mm-hmm. This is super cool. This is so cool. So we're gonna we're gonna dual shot it and then we're gonna dual shot again, and then we're gonna like play the guy that deals one damage to everything and have eight raptors. Yes. Oh, is this not amazing?
1: Oh, uh, how many cards and mana did you spend to do that? Too much. Yeah. So. Where, where is this good? When is this good? Not, not like magical Christmas land, but like, is there a scenario where playing an eight mana five, five, which is essentially like an infinite chump block or chump attacker?
0: Well, if, if we look at enrage, how I discussed it before, which is when this creature dies, do this. Make another one. This. Yeah, this basically says when this creature dies, return it to the battlefield. So you can That's, just throw it away in combat. Mm-hmm. It basically has vigilance. Just sort of, unless they don't block it. Unless they it. don't
1: block it, and then they're taking five. But at which Yeah, point, but
0: you're kind of far behind because you're playing an eight drop. Because you're playing
1: an eight drop. You could have just played a an any number of Colossal Dreadmaws in your deck.
0: Yeah, as many as you wanted. So like to to make this good, I need to have ways to trigger Enrage and I need to be ramping. And people are going to think I'm not being fair when I call out that seven drops are playable and then I'm super hard on eight drops. I again, I think treasure, which is in blue and red, is what's making those seven drops something to note. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying slam them, I'm not saying they're good, I'm just saying they're playable. You've you've again got to build your deck around this card. There was a seven drop dinosaur that farted out dinosaurs in the last set. And sometimes it was too slow. This is one more than that, so just keep that in your head before you go too nuts.
1: What do the stats have to be to make this like good? Like it's got to be like an eight eight or, so, or it's like a seven seven, right?
0: Yeah, even then, like that's a lot of mana. I mean, it could almost be twenty twenty. Hmm. So I'm trying to think back. There was
1: a there was an article I think frank karsten did because he does all the math articles that talked about hitting your land drops um like when you can expect to hit your seventh your eighth land drop and it was a significant number of turns between hitting land seven and land eight so if if people are questioning what travis is talking about there they can go search out one of those you know um hypergeometric calculators or whatever or those there's a bunch of charts that i've seen on the internet that show your expected rate of hitting certain land drops or having Eight mana on turn 10 or turn 15 or turn 20. And you can look at those cumulative percentages to see that like you basically need to go through half your deck in order to have eight lands on the battlefield in the average game.
0: Yeah, it takes a long time. So keep
1: that in mind that you're not casting this till turn 13-14. Uh tender shoot dryad. This card is is neat, and I look forward to this. This card will have the award for um, my opponents will spend the fewest amount of man- the, lo- the the smallest amount of mana removing this card over the long term, uh, compared to the mana that I cast to uh, that I spend to cast it here. So Tender Shoot Dryad is a five mana two two with ascend, and at the beginning of each upkeep, create a one one Sapperling, and if you have ascend, your Sapperlings get plus two plus two. Sorry, if you have the City's Blessing. So worst case scenario, and I'm just totally being Debbie Downer about this, I think this is a good card. But uh, worst case scenario is uh, you you play that you play your five drop and your opponent untaps, you get a sapperling and then your opponent spends like two mana to to give it minus two minus two and it's gone. Um, however, if it if it's unchecked, if uh, if your opponent doesn't have removal like this asks the question of your opponent, do you have removal? Um, and if they don't, then you can kind of take over the game with this one. It gets you a send on its own. Right, you're you're mm-hmm. most of the way there when this comes back around to you, and you untap with it, um, and then you're attacking with you know three through sapperlings, hopefully.
0: I, I I can tell that you're a little down on this, even though you recognize the power. But the the main thing I I want to just push out there is like most opponents are not saving their negative two, negative two removal for your five drop. Mm -hmm. They're using it on your two or three. They're trying to force in a little bit of damage. They're going to get rid of that flyer you played. They're going to kill that thing that could double block. So like, yes, you could cast this and have your opponent cast a shock style variant on it and kill it for two mana. Even then you still got a one, one token, which ain't nothing. But like the, the fact for me is like you have five lands because you cast this. And it makes two permanents on your own. So you're like just by itself, you're at seven permanents by the time you untap with it, like on their turn. Then on yours, it goes up to eight. So you only need two permanents to hit ascend on your other turn. If you have two other creatures in play, if they don't deal with it, you got to city's blessing, you're good to go. Yep. So I think that this could very quickly take over a game. And remember if you're like, hopefully you're playing magic online pre-releases because they're awesome. But if you're playing in paper, this is each upkeep you get a a sapperling every turn, not just yours. So this will fart out a bunch of plants awful fast. And I I feel like they kind of have to have the removal spell or you're, you're just going to run them over with sapperlings. So this one for me definitely passes the chupacabra test. Mm -hmm. I will take this. I will play it. I will even splash for it. The splashing is interesting.
1: Um, it, yes you're right i am a little down on it because of the two toughness and the five mana casting cost if it was a two three and it ducked the minus two minus two um i I if it was an o oh, oh four it'd be way better oh if it was an oh four it would be broken absolutely broken because now it now it blocks most things and like yeah no anyway as a, as a two two it is vulnerable Um, But you're right. I think it shouldn't be too hard to get your opponent out of removal spells, cheap removal spells in game one. And then game two, game three, they might hold them for this. But, you know, that's fine if they're warping their plays around it and it opens up the game for the rest of your other kind of two twos and and three
0: threes. um, You know, it's probably doing its job. I think so. Cool. And like I said, worst case scenario is they kill it and you still got a token out of it. That's that's a two for one. It's a five mana two for one. Yeah, I'll play. I would play as many five mana two for ones as I could get.
1: Uh, If you if you count a one one sapperling for
0: five mana as a two for one, okay, it's a one and a half for one. I'll give you one and a quarter for one. Nah, it's one and a half. It's one and a half. All right, whatever. Um,
1: that's it for green. Mm -hmm. Again, I'm I I like green a lot, so I'm looking forward to casting a bunch of green spells. Um, do you want to go through some of the multicolor cards real quick, and then we'll wrap it up. Yeah, let's let's hit the highlights here. Okay. How about uh, Sphinx's Revelation on a stick? Do we even need to talk about this card? How dumb this
0: card is? <laughs> Azor the Lawbringer. Two white, white, blue, blue for a 6-6 six, six flyer. When it enters the battlefield, each opponent can't cast instant or sorcery spells during that player's next turn. When Azor attacks, you may pay X white, blue, blue. If you do, you gain X life and draw X cards. <sighs> Yep. I'm gonna lose to this card many times. I'm never gonna I get just, to pick
1: it because I'm never gonna open it.
0: Yeah, I I it it looks like a game ender. It interestingly, looks like it's worded and that it would dodge instant speed removal, but it doesn't. It just makes sure you get to be untapped when they cast it. Right? Uh, so you tap yep. out for this. Mm-hmm. They can't use an instant speed removal spell on their turn, but then after you've untapped, they could. Yes. Uh, and so that that's put in there that it could play well with counter magic. So maybe something like cancel is something you're interested in a little more than you normally would be. So do bear that in mind. It dodged, does dodge sorcery speed removal for that first turn on its own. And then obviously it's a six mana, six, six flyer. We just play that. So this looks like a bomb to me. You can't splash for it. You just need to you know play the darn thing in your blue white deck. But like we didn't have a strong reason to be blue white before. We kind of do now. Mm-hmm.
1: This is a throwback to uh, Ravnica, right? Oh, yeah. This is the, the, uh, have you heard of the
0: Azorius Guild. No, I haven't. Yes. Yeah. The, from what I understand, this is the the Sphinx that founded it.
1: Interesting. I look forward to reading the story about that one. Me too. OK. Anything else? Catch your catch your eye. Usually the gold mythics and rares are pretty good.
0: Yeah, um, there's two planeswalkers. They seem okay. I'm not really gonna have us discuss those over and over. Like read them, see what they do. I think Angrath is significantly better than the new Hotly, which I think is just kind of fine. Uh, but one of the other cards that has me really interested in doing some Merfolk stuff is Kumina. Mm-hmm. Uh this is one green blue for a two-four. Tap another Merfolk. Kumina can't be blocked. Tap three Merfolk, draw a card. Tap five Merfolk, put a plus one plus one counter on each Merfolk. It's a Planeswalker. And yeah, it kind of is a Planeswalker is a two four. So like you just need two other Merfolks, and you're drawing a card every turn. If you ever get to critical mass, you can just pump them to infinity, and then you can always hit through for two with with her. And like, you know, three mana two four looks great to me. So I I'm I'm all in on this card. Uh you can tap things with uh, that have summoning sickness with this as well. So you
1: can Correct. you can play this. Uh, you know, let's say this is your third Merfolk, and maybe you can't attack. End of your opponent's turn, you can tap all three, draw a card. Yeah. So, I think it's I think it's great. Look forward to first. Yeah, it's got some of that
0: crypt breaker shenanigans going on in it too. Yes. Um.
1: Obviously, Alanda, Alenda, Alanda, the Dusk Rose. Uh, very good card. Don't need to read it here, but uh, there's your vampire kind of. No, we're
0: gonna have to read it because this is garbage. What? No, I think it's good. Let's let's okay. walk through
1: this. Two white, black for a one, one life link. Whenever another creature dies, put a plus one, plus one counter on it. When it dies, create a bunch of one, one white vampire creature tokens with life link. Where X is her power.
0: Okay, so you're gonna spend four mana for a one, one life link, mm-hmm. and and then what are you gonna do? Just let things I'm die in attack combat. You with a
1: three, three. Yeah, just let things die in combat. You're gonna have a board around it. You're not gonna like. This isn't necessarily a curve topper. This is like a, uh, you know, you're going to have two mana, two twos, and three mana, two threes that are going to die in combat, and that your opponents are going to, you know, have, have to block things in combat and things like that. Um, okay. I, th- I think this will reasonably get large enough and then eventually either take over the game because it's a four, four, five, five lifelinker uh, or make a bunch of tokens.
0: So you you were worried about the toughness on an easy to cast single color card that was splashable mm-hmm. that will take over a game. Mm-hmm. And and this one's fine, mm-hmm. even though if you play it on an empty board where you have no other creatures, it just doesn't do anything at all. Eh. Whereas the other one at least gives you two chump blockers.
1: Uh, It's it's no, this will make a, a chump blocker as well.
0: This is this is cheaper to cast than the five mana one. It's one mana. Cheaper. Yeah. And if you have all planes and it has lifelink. Like, th- yeah, so you, you will technically gain a life when you chump block and then gain another one when you chump uh, block the next you, time. You can't call me out on my BS like that. Yeah, yeah. I I'm sorry, that was a little rude. No, 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 no.
1: I didn't realize it was a one one. I thought it was actually bigger than that.
0: Yeah. So like that that's the big challenge here is like if this body was on a three three or a one four or just anything that could affect the board the turn you played it, I'd be all in. Now this is one of those cards that's gonna look amazing on a certain board state, right? Like I've got a million tokens and I play this and swing in, I don't care if you block them because she's going to get bigger and then make more tokens. Or like if, if there's a 3-3 three, three that you have to trade with and I can just play her and make her a 3-3 three, three that turn, she's going to look great. And then there's going to be other times where you know you don't curve out, you didn't draw your cards in the right order, and your opponent's beating you to death with a couple of two threes. and you play her and you're like, what am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to get two chump blocks out of this or hope I draw another creature and then I can make something trade? Um, so it, like I can see board states will should be very good. I think what she's good at is if you're a little bit ahead, she can help you get a lot of bit ahead. But I don't think she does really anything when you're behind. So that's why I'm I'm super not happy with Alinda. That is fair.
1: No, I actually thought she was a four four when I scrolled past her. Yeah, <laughs> she's a one one dude. She's a one one. That's no, mm-hmm. that's my mistake. So yeah, significantly worse is a one one. Agree. Okay. That, that's So they really reprinted all I got. Uh,
0: Citadel Siege. Uh, which one's that? Hadana's uh, Climb. Oh, one yeah. green blue for legendary enchantment. At the beginning of combat on your turn, put a plus one plus one counter on target creature you control. Then if that creature has three or more plus one plus one counters on it, transform into a land that can tap for any color. Or one green blue, tap it, target creature you control gains flying and gets plus X plus X until end of turn, where X is its power. It's notable that you don't have to transform this one. So this is obviously not quite Citadel Siege. It's a fixed version. But the fact that I get this value over and over every turn, and then if I'm ever ready to, I can flip it, launch something in the air, and get you with it. This looks like a very powerful rare to me that is not super easily answered. Again, I mentioned I saw one piece of enchantment removal that I kind of dig main decking. But like this kind of needs an answer. Because, like, even if you're a behind, but not behind by a lot, just taking a little bit of damage on the ground, you'll eventually be able to block it. And, like, you're in blue. Why are you worried about air damage? I, I think this is a, a very strong contender.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, the This is mandatory. The flip is mandatory. But what Travis is referring to is that you can spread those plus one, plus one counters around your creatures. Good catch. Yeah. Um. But, no, you're right. Like, I, this is a super good card. Um, Citadel Siege had the upside, though, of... Well, I mean, it was two plus one plus one counters, right? Mm-hmm. And it also had the mode of tapping something, right? No one ever did that in the history of all magic. No, but um, yeah, no, this is this is a good card. Um, I look forward to playing this in any kind of green blue creature deck. It doesn't matter. Yeah, and it might be Murfog that cares about plus one plus one counters. Uh, Journey to Eternity is an interesting card to me. Um, one black green for a a legendary aura enchant creature you control when it dies that creature return it to the battlefield under your control then transform this and it's the flip side that i'm most interested in i don't know how how it shouldn't be too bad to engineer and limited now that i think about it but it has the ability to um three green black tap return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield so it's like a totem armor if i'm remembering those correctly right the umbras yeah Mm mm-hmm um, which is, I mean, if that's all that it does, it's not a very good card, but if you can get another creature back from the graveyard with this land at some point throughout the game, then you've obviously more than made up for the
0: card that you spent on this. Mm-hmm. So it, the only thing that I'm scared of is bounce. Mm-hmm. Cause you know, you play this on your dude, they bounce it. You're like really far out. And like, you can't even do the, the bonus of one with the wind where you're like, I don't care. I just need to get into the four damage right now. So at least I got something. This one is at any point in the game. If like, you need to be able to make your own creature die. So like, I'm interested in this in in decks that have sacrifice effects or like your opponent's going to know that you can do this and kind of control when it happens, unless you're going to kill your own creature. So like, I'm not quite as excited about this one as I am the blue one, the blue green one, but I I do recognize the power here. Like the blue green one. I kind of don't care if I can flip it. I want the counters this one. Like I need to flip it. It's got to flip.
1: Yeah. So I think this
0: will be, um,
1: your mileage will vary on this card quite a bit. Um, like what are you looking at doing with this though? Like you put in like a six, six trampler and make it something that they have to answer, like something that they were already going to answer. And then it just gets like a, like a free life out of it. Plus, then the upside to take the game over if you haven't already won by then. I think that's probably the the scenario that you're looking at, right?
0: Yeah, and I I don't know that I need this card to do that. I could just play another Colossal Dreadmaw because we get infinite ones, right? Right. Yeah,
1: that's fair. Um, last one I wanted to talk about though is Profane Procession because isn't this card's just dumb, right? Oh yeah, it's stupid. Yeah. Okay, I'm I'm glad. Like yeah i'm glad i didn't misread the stats on this one (laughs) one white black for a legendary enchantment with the ability of three white black exile target creature just gone not even until this is removed it's just gone um then if there are three or more cards exiled with profane procession transform it and lo and behold you can pay two white black to put a creature card exiled with this permanent onto the battlefield under your control
0: This is basically just, can you find three spare mana somewhere? Because we, like, in limited formats past, such as Ixalan, we were happy to pay five mana to just kill a creature, Mm -hmm. right? Like, we were picking contract killing and we were happy about it. So this one is saying you've got to spend three mana somewhere before you can get your first contract killing. The upside is you've got two more ready and waiting. And then after you've done that, you've got free creatures to just cast. So, like... This is kind of a six for one. If you've got the time to do it. Best case scenario, it's a six for one.
1: The thing is, is it's buying you the time to do it. Yeah. That's the stupid thing about it, right? It's like Mm -hmm. you, you put this down on, on turn four or whatever, right? You're you, you played your two drop, you played your three drop, you play this on turn four. Let's say like, what is your opponent going to do on turn five? Are they going to pay their, play their like third best creature on turn five? Are they not going to play any creatures on turn five? Like, what do you do if you untap on turn five and you, let's say you know your opponent has five mana, maybe you saw, an ex like, they explored with a card or something like that, you know they have a land in hand. You just run out your creatures anyway, right? And hope that you can win the game before they untap three times with this, but that seems like an impossible proposition.
0: Yeah, you've got to be pretty far ahead to beat it, right? So if you're anywhere close to stable, and again, you can even be behind, just not behind by much. This will still get the job done.
1: Yeah, and then it also has the mode of just drawing it on like turn 10 or 11 and having eight mana in play and being like, well, I'm going to play it in exile something at sorcery speed. You know, mm-hmm. now a game that I was losing where at parody and I'm slowly going to grind out my advantage.
0: Yeah, it's a good card. It's a good. Card. It's a really
1: good card. Cool. Anything else? Like I looked at the artifacts. I mean, we're already in an hour and a half on the podcast here. Is there anything else that stands out to you or should we wrap it up?
0: Um, we've got to at least mentioned the Immortal Sun. It's kind of the point of the set and what everybody is is vying for, and I think it's actually pretty good. Uh, it's six mana for an artifact. Players can't activate player uh, Planeswalker's loyalty abilities. That's you and your opponent, not going to come up much in Limited. At the beginning of your draw step, draw an additional card. Spells you cast cost one less. Creatures you control get plus one, plus one. So this is pay an extra one for Vanquisher's Banner everything's cheaper to cast. You draw an extra card every turn and your team's pumped. It's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, on that. it's your favorite color too. Yeah. It's colorless. That goes is, in every deck. That is the best Again, part. Dinosaur decks are less interested in anthems than the other ones, but this looks great anywhere else. I mean, in dinosaur decks, you have the upside of ramping with your, your mana
1: hmm So nah, this, this card's dumb. I look forward to casting this,
0: hopefully, a couple of times. Me too. And I'm going to do a quick drive-by on Arch of Araska, uh, which is a land that taps for colorless with a send five-tap draw card. You can only do that if you have the City's Blessing. Mm -hmm. I will put this in my deck if I open it and see old.
1: Yeah, and as long as you don't have to put yourself, I think, too far behind. Like, if you're splashing a third color... Maybe you need to be a little careful about this one. Um, But if you're Mm -hmm. just playing straight two colors and you don't need to play something silly like, you know, 11, six or something like that. um, Yeah, it's just just upside with the very rare occasion that it will hurt you when you have it in your opening hand and you need to draw a
0: specific color. Yeah, but spell lands are just so good Mm -hmm. that I think they're worth a slot if you can get them. Mm -hmm. Cool. I look forward to not opening any rare lands except for that one. Sounds good to me. Sign me up. I'm just going to open Chupacabras every single time. I can dig it. Again, 20 Chupacabras, you think? Yeah, I think I would play 20 Chupacabras. I guess then you wouldn't lose to this hyper aggro deck that way, right? Yeah, I just need something to block. It can be the 2-2 Death Touch Pirate at Rare. Okay. I'll get four of those. It'll be fine. That sounds like a perfect deck. I think so. So Set looks fun. I'm very excited. I think it's a breath of fresh air for Ixalan, which it needed. And I'm getting a little more of the story, um, which I'm still excited to read more about, but like a lack of flavor bothered me on Ixalan. And I I think there's actually some there. Maybe I just didn't dig deep enough for it. So I'm very excited for for this set.
1: Yeah. I look forward to playing the online pre-release or quote unquote pre-release, as well as the two Headed a giant. And then we'll come back here next week and we'll talk about some of our early-
0: experiences in the format i look i dig it i dig it and if you you guys are looking to watch that again it's going to be on the uh 11th and 12th that that begins so this may very well be up before you can start getting into that um but uh hop into those releases and play them i'll be streaming it as soon as i can as well yeah we'll
1: try to get this up as soon as we can so that uh you can be prepared for your online pre-release your paper pre-release and so you can sneak in and watch uh travis at whatever it is four in the morning eastern time (laughs) yeah okay uh well that's going to do it for this week so thanks again to -to face-to-face games and manateprive.com for the host travis where can they reach
0: you again if they need to You can find me at twitch.tv slash You can also find me on Twitter by the same name. Yep. And I'm
1: D-S-A-V-I-L-L-I-A-N on both. Uh, Fired up the stream again after a little bit of a hiatus and uh, we'll be back into magic as soon as we can. So look forward to that fairly quick. Hope you have fun at your pre-release and we'll catch you next time. Adios.